Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. standing with me as we read from uh, 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to begin at verse 38 this morning. And Elisha returned to Gilgal, and there was a famine in the land. Now the sons of the prophets were sitting before him, and he said to his servant, Put on the large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. So one went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine and gathered from it a lap full of wild gourds and came and sliced them into the pot of stew, though they did not know what they were. And they served it to the men to eat. Now, it happened as they were eating the stew that they cried out and said, Man, O oh God, there is death in the pot. And they could not eat it. And so he said, Then bring some flour. And he put it into the pot and said, Serve it to the people that they may eat. And there was nothing harmful in the pot. You may be seated. Thank you, Lord. Uh, when I was a kid, I loved to experiment with cooking. Uh, in fact, I believe my mom was just telling the story the other night, uh, but uh, I tormented my poor little brother. Uh, I would concoct these horrible concoctions, and then I'd ask him to eat them. And my brother, my little brother was so awesome, he would eat it and tell me how good it was, even though I wouldn't eat it myself. Uh, one time in particular, I remember I got this uh, big bright idea, and I took uh, ramen chicken flavored noodles. No, not chicken flavor, shrimp flavor. And then I decided that I was going to take a can of salmon and put that with the noodles. It was nasty. And then my brother ate it because he was amazing. Uh, but it was gross. I'm sure that if he had not wanted to hurt my feelings, he would have said, Curtis, there's death in the pot. Right? He would have been grossed out. So, uh, this morning as we look at this story, of, of, of what Elisha does here. You can see that uh, the first verse, verse 38, tells us that there is a famine in the land. So that's the first key point, is that he, Elisha has returned with his servant Gehazi, and he's returned and he has uh, the prophets with him. This was simply really just a school for men, uh, today you might think of it as like a theological seminary. It was Elisha teaching these men the word of God. He would live in the example before them uh, and, and teaching, instructing them and training them to serve God. And so uh, he was um, there. He returns. He's sitting with the men. They're teaching. They're training. And they're getting hungry. But the key point here as that there is a famine in the land. Right? Meaning there's no food readily available. They're hungry, but there's no food. And Elisha, knowing that there's a famine in the land, says to a servant, I assume it's Gehazi, but says to a servant, Servant, go make some soup so everybody can eat. And uh, the servant puts on some water to boil. And then 
at some point instruct somebody or a group of people to go out and gather stuff to put in the pot. So they're hungry. There's not a whole lot of food available for them to eat. Elisha says, make some food, make some soup so that we can distribute it. And so they go out to gather stuff to put in the pot. And as they're out gathering, a, uh, one of the servants, one of the men, uh, sees a vine with a bunch of fruit on it. Some sort of, of cucumber or melon, some sort of uh, a vine growing uh, 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 vegetable. And um, he sees it, but he doesn't know what it is. Now, it probably stuck out to him because there wasn't probably a whole lot growing, right? There's a famine. There's not been any rain. There's a reason why uh, the, the plants aren't growing. But when he sees it, it stands out to him. He probably thinks he's hit the jackpot. I don't know what this is. I don't have really anything because the Bible says that he gathers as many gourds as he can and puts them in his cloak as many as he could possibly carry. That tells me he didn't have a whole lot that he was carrying. Right? He didn't have anything. So, being hungry, knowing that he could not go back empty-handed and say, look, all I found is some dirt and sweat, right? I don't know that's going to make us some soup. Uh, he decides that even though he doesn't know what this gourd is, he's going to take it, he's going to return with it, slice it up and put it in the pot. And after he puts it in the pot and it stews and it cooks into a soup, the men go to eat. And as soon as they taste it, one taste, they knew it was poisoned. There's death in this pot. So apparently, this fruit, this vegetable, this gourd, whatever it was, he gathered and put into the pot was poisonous. Now the men were hungry. They were starving. They needed something to eat. There's a famine. The one thing that they've waited for all day to get their hands on is now poisonous. So they cry out to the prophet, man of God, there's poison in the pot. There's death in this pot. Man of God, Elisha says, take some flour, put it in the pot. And when they did, the soup became edible. There was no more death in the pot. So I want to look at this story this morning and try to go through it piece by piece and look at how we can apply it to our lives today. Because there's some of us, and I know how I have faced it in my life, where the truth of the matter is there's death in the pot. Right? There's bitterness. There's poison in the pot. Sometimes I put it there. Sometimes I've allowed others to put it there. I've allowed it to seep in through circumstances, through things that have made me bitter, angry, upset. I poisoned myself. Amen. There's death in the pot. There's poison in the pot. That if I continue to uh, draw from it, eventually it will destroy me. Eventually it will destroy you. Right? Uh, and, and so, uh, when we look at this, we look at the scenario, the first thing is, is that there was a famine, that they were hungry. They found them in a situation, themselves in a situation, they were, they were doing what they were supposed to do, they were learning from God, they're, they were training, they're the, they're the students of Elisha, but there's a famine and they have no food to eat. They're hungry. And so when Elisha tells them to make food, they don't know where they're going to go to get food. The man of God said, go, and they went, and they looked. Obviously, the pickings were slim. They couldn't find anything. 
So as they're out there, knowing there's a famine, they're getting desperate, they're getting hungry, he identifies something, he doesn't know what it is, but he thinks, well, at least it's something to put in the pot. Right? Many times you and I are out there, we're desperate, we're hungry, we're looking for something, there's a dry season in our life, or we're facing circumstances that have zapped our energy and zapped our resolve, and we want to replenish somehow. We can't find a way, so we begin to look for anything to give us peace, to give us rest, to give us comfort, something to alleviate the rumbling, the pain that's inside of us. Take our minds off of the hurt. And so we begin to look, and when the, when the pickings are slim, you'll go to what? I'll go to what we find first, and what's most readily available. Mm-hmm. I'll run to bad influences, people that'll pat me on the head, or people that'll pull me into things, a relationship that pull me into things that are inappropriate. That caused me to not be the person I'm supposed to be. That caused me to chase after things that I should not chase after. But for a moment in time, when I'm with that person, when I'm in that relationship, friendship, whatever the case may be, the pain goes away. You'll see that it's quite pitiful when you begin to research poverty where kids are starving to death in other countries. Where they literally have no food. And the parents, in order, because they cannot stand to see, now this is a true story, they cannot see, stand to see their children crying and literally physically aching because their bellies have not had food in days and days. What they will do is they will literally make mud pods. They will literally take dirt and they will put it together and they will make dirt pies so that somehow their kids can eat that and have something in their stomach to alleviate the pain that they're feeling. Now, i got to tell you, you can look at me and tell that I ain't hurt very often for hunger pains, right? I joke many times and talk about how I'm dying from hunger. That, that, that's p- pathetic, right? These kids are hungry, they're hurting, they're desperate. So on a, 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 a battle of desperation, because they cannot stand to see their kids hurting anymore, they will make cakes of dirt to alleviate the pain in their stomachs so it doesn't hurt anymore. Now that dirt is not has no nutritional value and ultimately it will hurt them if they eat dirt too many times. But in order to alleviate the pain of the child, they allow them to eat dirt to satisfy for a moment. Do you hear what I'm saying to you this morning? You and I will feast upon dirt to satisfy a moment, a moment where we're hurting and in pain, not understanding that it has no value to us in the long run, and in an hour or two, we will be hungry and hurting again. Because the pain that we are experiencing is so great that we will do anything to alleviate that suffering. We're starving. We're hurting. We're in pain. And so we do whatever it is that we can to stem the pain. To take our minds off of what we're experiencing. And I know that I have done that on more than one occasion in my life. Right? Where you are hurting 
and it seems like there's no answer, and God is silent, and you don't know what you're going to do, so you run to where you get peace first. Even though it's a temporary peace, even though it has no lasting, even though really it's a placebo peace, really provides no value. It just makes us think for a moment that it's okay. But yet what's really happening is we're poisoning ourselves. Wow. Right? Instead of feasting upon the bread of life, mm -hmm. instead of drinking from the waters that never run dry, we go to the very first thing that we can get a hold of to alleviate the pain, right? To some, it's medication. To some, it's drugs. To some, it's alcohol. To some, like me, it's food. You run to where you get comfort. It's unhealthy relationships. And there's poison in the pot. There's death in the pot. And if we do not get help, it will destroy us. Willingly take it as a medicine, knowing full well that it could kill us. But it alleviates the pain, the hurt, the suffering for a moment. And I'm sure when this man, the servant was out, and he had been looking for a long time for something to put in the suit. And he did not want to go home empty hand. Otherwise, they were simply going to eat boiling water. Drink boiling water. Nothing else. He did not want to disappoint his fellow prophets or students or servants. He did not want to disappoint his master, Elisha, the prophet of God who told him to go out and gather. And so when his eyes lit upon this uh, vine-growing plant, this fruit or vegetable he took it without knowing what it was. And so when he took it, and he thought that he was doing good, he thought that he was getting something to meet the needs of the people around him, what he was actually doing was poisoning those people. Uh, Kelly and I had the unfortunate privilege of having termites show up at our house last year. Uh, now, uh, to, to tell you the, the truth, uh, we brought the termites right into our house. Uh, someone stored some things at our house that had termites in it, and uh, they got that we brought right into our garage, and boom, it had sat there for several months, I mean a very long time, and the termites hatched, and they grew, and they decided to eat my house. Uh, so we had to treat. Now, termites, what you see on the top it's not what's, how many is actually there. Now, it's funny, when the termite guy came in, he goes, I have never seen this many termites like this on the outside. Wow. It was horrible. Uh, he goes, I've never seen anything like this. So we, I took some spray, and I killed the termites on the outside, what was destroying my house. The thing with termites is, is that they are just a small representation of what's in the ground. They have whole colonies in the ground, and what happens with the termite is, is that he comes up, he eats all the wood he can get his hands on, or cardboard or paper, they eat paper too. 
And then they go back in the ground because their bodies need the moisture from the ground. They can't stay up indefinitely. They have to go back down. So what they do is they set traps. But first they, they get all the, to get all the termites out of the house, they go in and they, they drill and they put poison in the ground all the way around every so many feet. Then after that, they put these stations about every four feet all the way around your house. And in those stations, they put poison in their favorite food, white pine. And so when a termite goes and he eats all he can eat, he goes back into his colony. Guess what he does? He takes all that poison with him. And it oozes from his body and he touches the other termites and he poisons the colony from the inside out. One little termite getting that poison on his body and just it could go down and share it to all the other termites and destroy them. Right? If you and I are not careful... When we are wallowing in self-pity, when we are wallowing and hurting and trying to fix things ourselves, we can actually hurt and poison the people around us. With a vile word. With a bitter word. With an angry action. With a dismissive dismissive look. We can hurt the people around us. I can't tell you the number of people that I have met and come in contact with who have come to church hurting and looking for help. But they ran into someone who was having a bad day. That person gave them a dirty look. Or was not, it was hateful. And they decided they were never coming back again. See, that person poisoned that other, the visitor. And the visitor took that poison back to their home. Right? We want to make sure... That as we're serving God, as we're gathering here in our colony, that we're not poisoning the visitors or poisoning people while they're here and they're going back out and poisoning the world. Mm -hmm. Because what will happen is is that we're hurting and we're suffering and we're trying to fix it. We're not relying on God. If we we, uh, hurt somebody else, they don't just keep it internal most of the time. They go home and they tell dad about it or their husband about it or their families about it. They tell someone about it. When I was younger, something had happened and I was that man, I was mad. Someone at the church had done something to my wife and I was furious. And I was complaining to someone at my job about it. And a lady came up to me and she said to me something I've learned, my, uh, I've taken with me my whole life. She said, you never complain about the church to unbelievers. Because you poison them. No matter how in the right you think you are, or no matter how in the wrong the other person was, you never take it outside to unbelievers or to people who are not involved. Never. Because you poison them, the people you're talking to. And then they in turn take it to their homes, their families, the people they encounter. And they say, God is no good. Can you, why would God allow this to happen? Why would God? Why would that person treat me? And they say that they're a Christian. Why would they treat me this way? Don't take the poison home with you, and don't allow your poison to poison others. Right? Amen. We got to be careful with that. We got to make sure uh, how we speak to others when we're hurting. How we talk to others when we're angry or in a bad mood. How we look at them when we're suffering. Because we can hurt them, who in turn, they hurt others. It's the old saying, hurt people, hurt people. Right? Right? 
So we have to make sure that as we're hurting and suffering, that we're calling upon God. God, there's poison in the pot. Heal that poison so that I'm not spreading that poison to others. If you get bit by a poisonous creature, uh, snakes specifically, what you're supposed to do is say you get bit on your arm or your leg. You're supposed to tie a tourniquet around it to keep the poison in one spot, to localize it, right? As long as you can keep the poison localized, you'll only hurt everything below it. The poison will only hurt what's below it if you can cut off circulation. It's because the poison flows through the core of who you are. It throws through your bloodstream, right? Just like a medicine. It gets in your blood, and it will corrupt the whole system. You have to tie a tourniquet on it to ensure that that infected limb does not impact the whole body. Right? Because we don't want to, we don't want our whole body destroyed because of that, because of this poison. And then you go to a doctor and you have the poison removed. Or you take the antidote which destroys the poison in your body. And as soon as you've got the antidote, as soon as you're better, you can take the tourniquet off and blood flows as it's always flown. You're okay. Right? Because the poison has been cured. The poison has been taken care of. Many of us sit and poison ourselves and never go get help. We allow the skin to turn black and we allow ourselves to get sickly and sicker and sicker and sicker and we're poisoned to the point where we get mad at God and we get mad at everybody around us, right? Uh, and we're mad that it's not being fixed, but we never once call upon God to ask him to cure the poison in the pot, wow. right? Never once. Ask God to fix the poison in the pot. But if we'll call on Him, He'll, he'll fix it. When the men cried out, Elisha, the man of God, there is death in this pot. Elisha told them how to fix it. Take flour, pour it into the soup. The flour was probably a remedy that Elisha knew of to put in it to fix the problem. But they had to ask the man of God and tell him there was a problem before he could fix the problem. We have to go to God. If they just sat there and ate that soup, knowing that it was poisonous, they would have died. Or if they had simply dumped the soup out and sat and hungry, they would have starved to death. So they had an option, sit and die, eat and die, or call upon God, call upon God and ask him to fix what was broken. And that's what they did. They called upon the man of God, the man of God told them what to do, and they cured the poison in the pot. If you and I are suffering with bitterness, hurt, anger, rejection, is poisoning us, killing us from the inside out. God wants you to know that He can heal the source of that pain Amen. and hurt Amen. and bitterness and suffering so that it does not have to destroy you and I. Amen. Amen. He can heal 
if we'll call upon him and ask him for his help. As many of you know, because I've told the story a million times, I was mad at people and I ran from God. And I was hurt because of something that had been done to me. And I became bitter and angry to the point where I could not even talk about God. My wife and my children went to church and I stayed at home mad. I couldn't sleep at night. And every day I became worse. I'm not exaggerating you, exaggerating to you. I was being poisoned from the inside out. And I was poisoning myself. I was feeding it. Feeding it. And I was taking bites of it every day. Of anger. Of rejection. Of self-centeredness. Of selfishness. Of pity. Self-pity, right? Eating of it every day and slowly poisoning myself to where I was miserable to be, be around. I was not an example for my family. I was not an example to my kids. I was a terrible human being. Angry and bitter. But when I called upon God, he healed me. Amen. And I have never been the same since. Amen. Because we serve a God who Amen. will heal the sick and resurrect the dead. Amen. Amen. And when he heals and when he resurrects, it's ultimate healing and ultimate resurrection. Amen. We're not one foot in the grave and one foot out. Right? He restores if we will call upon him. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month, we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach a loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you. Bless you.